Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We here at the Fumbling Four Network take mental health very serious. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at one 800 273-8255. If you don't like talking on the phone, you can text or start an online chat. Once again, the number is 1-800-273-8255. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast. I am one of your hosts, Ariel. Aaron is feeling under the weather today, so you get my wonderful voice for the whole episode. And joining me is my fellow host, Daniel. Hi there. And... Wolf. Well, howdy. He's here for the patron episode. Well, thank you guys for having me, Ariel. Uh, what's today's uh, topic? What we doing? Oh, well, that's I'm glad you asked because it's your topic of choice today. Uh, uh. Actually, you know what? Speaking of it, there's been always one thing that grinds my gears through all the Resident Evil games. And I think I want to bring that up today. Collectibles. I, so the original Resident Evil games had their fair share of unlockables, which was, you know, beat the game in a certain amount of time. They've had the trials. Uh, you beat the game on whatever. You unlock the hunk mode. You beat the hunk mode. You got tofu. They had that kind of stuff. But in the later iterations, you started getting the bobbleheads or the coins you'd shoot or this or that that became straight. Let's take time out of your schedule to actually collect items. And I'm curious about how you guys feel about that introduction into the series. I kind of like them because it's kind of fun to go around collecting them. So, okay, I had a lot of fun in Village collecting the goats. The goats. Like shooting them. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. So in 4, when you go in the shooting range and get the bottle caps... I had fun with that, too. Plus, it was a fun little shooting game. My... I feel like my issue with them... Sorry, uh, Daniel, if you want to quickly before I go into another tirade. (laughs) Well, I like the collectibles, but I would like more background behind them. 
like what this collectible is for not just like what it potentially unlocks but like background behind the collectible itself right almost like files or something that give more information rather than just empty like shoot bobbleheads or whatever yeah what do these have to do with anything that's because <laughs> it's is, fun daniel well my issue with it because i'm a big story person and especially i i pay attention to the way a game flows I feel like it destroys the entire flow of a game from the moment you realize there's a collectible and you're like, okay, shit, now I got to comb every single corner to make sure I'm not missing anything or this or that. It breaks this weird flow and pacing that you get into where it's all like, okay, and you may be still taking in scenery and paying attention beforehand, but they cram some of these into really weird like nooks and crannies that it's like, okay, maybe if I go over here and crouch and look up here and it it becomes it it just kind of destroys the pacing of the game. In my opinion, I could see that, but I like that aspect of you going and exploring places you've weren't normally going to go and explore. That's fair. Anything else that really grinds your gears? Uh, I, we'll, we'll revisit that at a, when you uh, cover some of the later games, because Resident Evil does some weird stuff, especially in the later iterations. But like, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm going to kind of leave it there because I've been told not to talk about it. <laughs> well, you can talk about it if you want, because we will be going over the later video games at a later time. In more uh, detail. So go ahead. Let's talk about the fact that uh, Capcom cannot get a multiplayer like Resident Evil, right? <laughs> I, I feel like... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, it, You know, it's such a I feel like it's a simple concept, like even with Umbrella Core, which I was kind of pumped for. And I thought it was a good idea in context. It is a base shooter where you're taking on Umbrella Soldiers kind of against each other uh, in various backdrops of Resident Evil. Um locations and with zombies as a background it's not the main focus but as you damage people as they bleed it you know it attracts zombies and that seems super interesting but even that like they just (sighs) capcom doesn't know what they're doing they they when story goes out the window and there's nothing to base it around they're just like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't like that game at all I'd play seven before I play that again. But I mean, they, I think they did good with Operation Raccoon City. Operation Raccoon City is great. I just wish they'd figure out what they were doing with it because everything that they said revolving that game was so confusing. Is it canon? Is it not canon? Oh, this is going on. No, wait. It's just, like I said, when multiplayer and more aspects come into it, just Capcom seems to unravel because they I feel like at points they're just trying to please everyone and they're willing to backpedal. And it's like, no, 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 wait, you don't understand. And it's just like, <sighs> just just figure out what you're doing beforehand. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you on that. I really do. <laughs> 
I don't play too much multiplayer except for like Resident Evil 5's Mercenaries mode. That's it. Mercenaries is great. That's something they did get right. You know, <laughs> I'm not a fan of the Mercenaries. Oh, that's fair. It's not for everyone. No, it's not for me. Do you have any other another topic you want to bring up? Well, I was going to ask specifically if you guys got anything that irritates you about, like, something that Resident Evil does or Capcom with the franchise. Um, something that irritates me. Uh, you know what irritates me? Six what? and seven. Oh, my God. I I have a lot of opinions about six. <laughs> like, really? I, I don't think it was it was ambitious. I don't think it was as bad as uh, people made it out to be, but it wasn't great. I like I'm going to be real, but there were there were moments in it that I could see like potential. Like especially know. like the beginning of Leon's campaign was kind of cool. I got my expectations up so high and I played it and I got let down instantly. So I don't I know why everything it. has to come back to Wesker. Oh, Wesker. And then yeah. seven. Seven happened. The critically well received game, Resident Evil 7. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not for everyone and it's not for me. No. No, I felt like it went way away way away from Resident Evil as a standalone horror survival horror game it would have been perfect I would have been fine with it but I got zero Resident Evil feel from it at all no it was uh, the Umbrella Corporation has eyes that's that's a playoff the hills have I, eyes from hills have eyes yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you're not wrong but uh, so disappointed. So the things that irritate me is six and seven. Daniel, what, what irritates you? Well, seven, uh, nothing from the trailer drew me in. When I first saw the game trailer, I was like, oh, yeah, another Resident Evil. And then I was like, yeah, I don't care about this game now. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if you guys had the same feeling of it. I think the best parts of that game was when it's kind of stopped trying to be Resident Evil. And like there was the entire Lucas bit that I really loved where you were. It was the birthday like escape room almost. No, we don't talk about Lucas. I thought we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> it fit here. Like he's a fucking asshole. Absolutely. But like I would absolutely play an escape room esque Resident Evil game where it's more like Umbrella Corporation kidnapping these people and putting them through tests. And you're trying to like just get to this next kind of thing. I think it would be just be a sp fun spinoff. That would be fun, actually. I'd probably play that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just a game like focus on the puzzle solving mechanics. And that's really what was there. I absolutely love puzzles. Absolutely love them. Wolf, do you have a favorite puzzle out of any of the games? 
we can i think i mentioned this in a previous episode but uh the most of the clock tower puzzles were super fun in re2 save the clock tower i, I said two but it's i meant three. three yeah i knew what i was saying after i said it three i don't i have so many puzzles I don't think I have one favorite. I'm trying to think. Um, I think RE0 had a puzzle I really liked, too. Was it on the train? Probably. Fuck that puzzle. Oh, no, it was uh, the water level puzzle where you're pushing crates and shit. Oh, that was later on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that one was good. I did I not could, like the train one. I could see you really enjoying the uh, slider puzzle in RE4. Well. The damn stone slab, I think. Yeah, there's a cheat to that that makes it like two seconds and it's done and I've already figured it out. So it's not oh. it's not fun for me. I say a cheat. It's really not a cheat. It's just an easy way to do it. It takes like two seconds. You know what? Okay, so one that gets me every time, and I've played it a million times, is that one to get into, I believe it's the gallery, where you have to figure out how to get the six sacrifices on the paintings. And it gets me every time. I'm sure there's some easy way to do that too, and I have not yet figured out. I have to spend forever trying to get the six people on there. I don't care much for puzzles. Um, I, just deal, I just deal with them. I like unique word puzzles as well. Uh, RE0 had another one like that where it was lighting the candles above the predators. And RE8 um, Village had one where it was the um, turning the statues to face one another based off of like the riddle yeah I like those soft spots for word puzzles so now that we were going over some things that irked us how about we talk about how Capcom tried to do the whole first person shooter thing and it didn't work out but they keep trying over and over again I don't think I was super like opposed to the switching camera perspective when they originally announced it. I mean, they've always messed with camera perspectives. I mean, look at where we first started with the fixed cameras. Uh, then we went to, of course, the over the shoulder that we are more used to. Um, and then when they switched to first person, it was like, okay, this is kind of a natural progression. Um, and there are a lot of good first person horror games out there. Like I just recently played a visage and it's terrifying. So I wasn't opposed to it, but yeah, they, they seem to control a little wonky with how they do it. I think I prefer the over the shoulder. Right. Because that's, you know, four. 
Yeah, I was going to say, and I also think a lot of it just kind of comes strongly to what you're used to and what you really like, because there are also plenty of people out there that think that's sacrilegious and it should have stuck with the uh, mounted camera angles. Yeah, I did read up on people hating for for that. Which you should never hate for. Regardless. What about you, Daniel? How do you feel about camera angles? I do like the over the shoulder. Um, to me, I'm, when I play first person shooters, it's the combat oriented. I'm not saying that Resident Evil is not combat oriented, but I'm used to like, you know, any of the war games like that that are combat oriented. You have, you know, you're fighting multiplayer. To me, first person is first person shooters more for multiplayer. But it like it can it can work if it's the right engine used. I don't know if Capcom has got has gotten the correct engine yet for it like the, a better engine to use also i think a big issue is and maybe this is just me and it sounds like weird but our move into it was with the mold and like for me it originally made sense where it's all like okay you couldn't ever really like properly aim especially in the original ones at a head correctly it was just kind of point and occasionally, you know, you would watch the head pop cool, whatever. With third, it was a lot easier. But this felt once again, like easier to snap, aim at the head and just be like pop pop. But it feels like they upped their resistance because now it became easier to aim at a head. There wasn't as much in the way because it's first person. They're like, well, they're not zombies. They're now tougher and more resistant. So good luck just firing bullets at them. We don't talk about that either. I mean, but this is a podcast and we talk at it. So, yeah, no, no, thank you. I'm, to be honest, a part of me is ready for this trilogy to be over with. And I'm hoping they go back more towards their roots of Resident Evil. Instead of trying to do this whatever they're trying to do with the trilogy well I'm curious what they're setting up with this because they've I don't know it seems like they've opened a lot of really weird doorways because from what we understand real quick I guess because I'm about to start ranting Resident Evil Village spoilers so alert. Yeah. So at the end of it, we get um, Winter's daughter. I can't remember her name for the life of me Rose. right now. Rose. Rose Winters, who now ha who has some kind of special powers because she was imbued with a progenitor. She was born of two people that had the mold. So she's yeah. like the pure specimen I guess specimen person which was once again based around the progenitor it was just a weird like thing so she has now powers and everything and then they also split off to the BSAA is now working with bioweapons and that kind of stuff over I, I forget where Chris actually name dropped but they named a location specifically but they, they did a lot of really weird thread drops at the end of the game where it's just like, 
how are these going to connect? Where are we going? What's happening? I, they mentioned the Winters is going to be a trilogy, so I figure it's with her. But how she ties into the BSAA and Bl- uh, Blue Umbrella? Is that what we're calling them? What are they? Yeah, it's Blue Umbrella now. By the way, so I was reading a thing and the only way you can figure out about Blue Umbrella is through like random merchandise they released. Super weird also that not all the lores in the games are in books. It's all like, yo, you got to buy the $70 model that comes with a card that gives you some more information about this shit. It's the way to do it. You want that money. It's called DLC in forms of merchandise. <laughs> Speaking of merchandise, this is I'm stuttering. This would be the perfect time for a mid-break. Well, here we are at the middle of the show. And the first thing we've got to do is thank our patrons. We have Anthony Bellotti, Remington Cloutier, Chris Slate, Saint, and of course, Wolfslore, is joining us today. So thank you for everything you do. You guys are awesome. And thank you to our listeners as well. Without you, we wouldn't have a show. You guys are awesome and thank you. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) So with all those out of the way, Daniel, what do you have for us today? I have merchandise as always. Of course. I should I should have said I have an article. And then stole your thunder. Damn. So on Amazon, they have Resident Evil posters, an eight-pack. Says they are unframed. They are 16 and a half by 11 and a half by half an inch. I'm not sure how that dimension comes in there. That's weird. Yeah. But they are smaller posters for Resident Evil. There's eight different ones. Some of them include Wesker on them. Another one has Leon, Ada, Claire, and looks like Sherry. And they also have some of the game logos on there. They have Resident Evil... Oh, good. We have Ariel Silver on there. Resident Evil Biohazard. Oh, boy. Two, three which are the remakes and then they also have the original three looks like you can get these on Amazon for $14.99 I think I just want to get this now just to have it before shipping and it has prime access so you can get it uh, if you have prime for free shipping sweet I want those as well not gonna lie I'll find a place to hang them so if you want to look up Resident Evil poster 8 pack on Amazon list the item in the show notes. Yep. Well, what I have today is I've read an article much like I always do. And this one comes to us from CBR and the title is Resident Evil Live Action Series Release Date. Teaser, Story, and News to Know. So little bit on the plot it's currently unclear if the show will remain completely faithful to the premise of the original game 
or reimagine some aspects of it. However, it looks like the Netflix series will definitely be taking a different approach from past film adaptations. According to the show's original press release, the series will take place throughout two timelines and will focus on the Wesker family, presumably related to the popular antagonist from the video games, Albert Wesker. The series will follow teenage sisters Jade and Billy Wesker after their move to New Raccoon City, which I'm okay with this. See where they take that. The second timeline will take place over a decade later with a now adult Jade living in a post-apocalyptic world where the T-virus has left Earth with less than 15 million people and countless horrific and bloodthirsty creatures roaming about. So both of those timelines sound pretty cool. Pretty excited about it. And Wesker himself will appear in the series. Portrayed by John Wick actor Lance Reddick. That you were going to say Keanu <laughs> I wish so anyways the release date for this is July 14th which I'm just putting it out there it's on Netflix in case you know I wasn't clear in the title nope. and the first season will consist of eight one hour episodes and it's produced by Constantine Constantine Film. So I'm pretty excited about this. I can't wait. I know they've been really going at trying to do the whole AUs in their things, but you know what? I've just accepted it and I'm actually excited about it. So stay tuned for July. You know what? I've decided I do want to mention something. Oh. Uh, I don't know if we want to do specific like date this, but yesterday was the anniversary of uh, Resident Evil's 26th anniversary. And I don't know if you guys know who uh, Boca Game Studio is. They are the game studio that released actually the original Silent Hill. And they posted out a big like anniversary tweet where they're all like, hey, you guys were an inspiration for us for releasing it. And they released a picture with the original Japanese cover of Silent Hill next to the original Japanese um, biohazard or Resident Evil. And they've just said, stay tuned. And we have something fans of both series uh, would like to see it coming to our YouTube channel. So it'll most likely be a deep dive on inspirations, how each game kind of added on each other over the years. And it's going to be a real fascinating thing. I'll, Nah, pass the tweet off to somebody who can link it hopefully below if people want to check it out that sounds awesome yeah happy 26th anniversary to Resident Evil though so on that note it's time to get to the end of the episode Well, here we are at the end of the episode. How about we talk about music in I, Resident Evil? I know a lot of us here are big music people, and I, they do really well with composing um, tracks for the various games. So I'd be in. Um, Let's do it. 
All right, let's talk about one of, I think, the greatest themes, uh, the safe room themes. One of the big changes in tone, even through like, even through the first one where um, everything's going on around you, whether it's the constant like drone of the zombies or the swelling, tensing music, the moment you pop in, it's just this orchestral arrangement that lets you know, no matter what's going outside these doors, you're safe in here. You're you're okay. And they're really good with conveying tone and especially with those safe room themes. Until you get to three remake. We don't talk about that. <laughs> the game where my anxiety never leaves me. Right. But yeah, I actually I do love the safe room like music. It's nice and calming and gives you a chance to like, oh, okay, I can relax for a second. Um, and even like, let's say we skip forwards to two. Two has the two different endings, depending on who you're playing, whether that's Claire's ending or Leon's ending. And each one of them have different themes that convey different things. Like uh, Claire's ending theme has, I believe, this piano melody. That's pretty much, hey, you did it. It's safe. Things are over. You know, you've escaped. Cool. And it's this really peaceful tune that ends the nightmare she's in. Whereas in Leon, right after he says, you know, it's up to us to take out Umbrella, he has this rock chord that lets you know, you know, it's just beginning. It's time to go. It's this really action oriented theme with a bunch of guitars and drums. And it's very, you know. Very fitting of Leon. Yeah. To let you know, you know, this isn't the last. He's still going at it strong. I love that they also incorporate a lot of classical music, even in the game, you know. Moonlight Sonata. Yep. In Resident Evil 4, um, because that's one you know well, the infiltration theme. Very creepy, very sinister orchestral, but it seems to suggest that you're the one that's bringing trouble. Uh, yeah, because I was. Absolutely. And it's it's a complete <laughs> like shift in tone. And Capcom's really good at finding uh, composers that can really help set your mood through the ambient music itself. Yeah, I loved that in four because I always knew when an enemy was near or around. And then I knew when I had killed them all because then it went back to quiet. Five was notorious for that, too. Mm hmm. Yeah, I loved that because then you knew shit's about to hit the fan. And then you also knew, okay, it already hit the fan and it's gone. Loved it. Also, I think one of my favorite themes is actually from the Dark Side Chronicles. It's called oh. Queen and it's set to Alexia's um, transformation. Oh, yeah. Where it varies, starts off as this ominous first verse going, and it only gets intensity as the skin starts to burst and she starts narrating. And then as she bursts into flames, this choir rises up and it's really uneasy. And then right before it's finished, it just all cuts out. And it's just a very like soft tone as it's revealed this new villain. And it's it's so 
well done. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Also, Alfred singing uh, Beer Cuse is great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I loved in two when the music started with Mr. X. Because I loved to know when he was near. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did. It was nice. It's it, Yeah. What about you, Daniel? Any favorite tracks you got? Probably the final music at the end of five. Okay. The big, the big battle. I don't want to spoil anything, but during that, you know, it was all uh, not upbeat exactly, but it you know it was a big fight. The music that was playing. Yeah, it was pretty hot, wasn't it? I mean, literally, if we go into it, but that, I didn't that's, spoil anything. No, that's that's the one at the end of uh, six three. Yes, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, that one's really good, and it has that large swell that it feels climactic. Yeah, because there was a lot of climatic parts during that whole Oh, ordeal. absolutely. I know I gave Daniel a little bit of shit last episode, but I do enjoy 5. I really do. Yeah, it's a great game. But back to music. So I know we talked about the games. I would really love to talk about the movies. So, you know, the Paul Anderson movies, everybody's kind of meh, but I would love to say that the music in that was phenomenal. The soundtracks. There was so many great songs in those soundtracks. Yeah, just the first uh, movie itself, uh, at the end of the movie, that instrumental that plays before it goes to the actual credits. I very much like yes. that. Yes. have it on my phone. And, you know, your favorite uh, thing is in it, too. You're all going to die down here. Yeah, if you get the album, it's the first track. Yeah. Yeah, and the first... Um, the first soundtrack had a lot of metal songs in it. And I love that. It had, like... If I remember right, there was Devil Driver... And uh, Full Chamber, Crystal Method, Static yes. X. Yes, yes. A lot of Marilyn Manson. Oh, yeah. I love Manson. Yeah. So <clears throat> in the second one, the second soundtrack. Actually, what got me to listen to Kill Switch Engage because, uh, end of uh, heartache is yes. so good. That's actually what got me Ooh. to listen to Kill Switch Engage and what got me to fall in love with them. Too, when I listen to other songs of theirs. Yeah. I am a big metal rock person, so it's I don't true. think there was a single song on the soundtracks that I did not like. I was going to say it's true. You're you're a golem. You're not actually a flesh person, but you're made of metal and rock. Yes. You're a metal rock person. Yeah. I mean, a it golem. would make a lot of sense that I was. <laughs> Seeing as I have no heart. What do you, what are your takes, Daniel? Did you like the second album? It has a lot of good artists that I do enjoy. 
and most of those songs I do enjoy by those artists because I pick and choose songs. I usually don't like an entire artist. There's some, but usually it's one song here from this artist. Yeah, because you're a fan of Flyleaf, aren't you? Yes. Because they had a Flyleaf song on there. Uh, that song is what? I'm so sick? Yes. I would Flyleaf sing it, but I song. have a yeah. terrible voice. Uh, follow the Patreon for her doing some acapella covers. Oh, God, no. We would <laughs> lose patrons for that. They would say no. I would make their ears bleed. But Resident Evil, definitely. Even the movies, they're they're really on track with their songs. Like every time I think I'm all like, OK, yeah, those are most of the good tracks. I'm reminded of something else because now I was thinking about uh, Resident Evil 3, the original one. Um, the um, nemesis always has this really un- like chaotic theme behind him as he's chasing you meant to do anxiety but his theme is remixed specifically when Jill finally confronts him in the um, clock tower and it's very swelling and instrumental and it's much more like final to let you know this is it this is the resolute like encounter yeah and it's just hated in the three remake that they took out the clock tower yes stars I blame stars that's all I can do oh I was gonna blame nemesis but we can blame stars Daniel is there a specific type of music you wish to talk about in games movies or anything I think we mostly covered it. I'm more into the movie soundtracks than the games. I know that's a lot of instrumentals and stuff. I'm mostly into a lot of songs with the vocals and metal that's fair. songs. So, yeah, I can see that. I can. I just like it's worth talking about because I just like I said. I think they do a really good job of weaving emotion into scenes and games and through things they're really good at playing with how you're feeling and i know i've played a lot of games that really miss that mark especially with their ambient where it's just eh, okay cool this is going on in the background it's whatever but they weave it in to their narrative really expertly so we talked about a lot of random topics today and got to know our side and Wolf's side of view on these different topics. This sounds like I'm rambling. So I think it's about time for us to say goodbye. So thank you, Wolf, for joining us. And where can we find you? Uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere under the name Wolf's Lore. I do want to encourage everybody who's listening, who might have differing opinions or even the same, join into the Discord, which their, their Discord, which they hang out and I hang out and just talk with me. There's a Resident Evil Warcast channel and we can have a civilized conversation there. Don't just yell at me that I'm wrong about the collectibles. Tell me why. We can we can have a civil come on. Let's let's go. I encourage you. Come at me, bro. Change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> 
also stream to Twitch. Wolf slower. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I agree with you on that. Let's have some discussions in the Discord about the different topics that we talked about tonight. So, with all that being said, thank you all for listening and tune in next week for Resident Evil 5. Yeah, great game. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and a review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RELurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger. <laughs>